Hello, my fellow fallible human. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and this is the Red Roof Recovery Show. It's a show to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. And it's not just for addictions, it's for life. I appreciate you spending the next few minutes here as I'm joined in conversation with my life partner and my best friend, I call him Sir Lancelot. Thank you for being here, sweetheart. My knight in shining armor. You're welcome, my love. Thank you, sweetheart. Uh, Lance has been with me for over 30 years, and much of that was lived experience through my drug and alcohol addictions. Lance brings the perspective of a family member of a loved one who's affected by addiction. For every one person who is challenged with an addiction, there are five family members also affected. So Lance shares his lived experience and empathy with family members whose loved ones are still struggling with addictions. Effective communication tools can motivate your loved one to seek recovery sooner than later. We offer a thoughtful conversation about a variety of recovery topics. You're going to hear science-based approaches to build a life beyond addiction, a life that you will not need to escape from. There are literally hundreds of tools that you can use to manage recovery and life. The key, one of my favorite acronyms, the key is to keep educating yourself until you find something that clicks for you, because this is all about you and your recovery. On this episode of the Red Roof Recovery Show, we are talking about the stages of relapse. Very important to recognize what they are. Mm -hmm. So what are they? They start, well, the physical sobriety actually can take weeks, sometimes months after the first stage of relapse happens, and that is the emotional relapse. So I often say that my physical sobriety was the first step. And then my emotional sobriety is an ongoing journey that I make the moment my eyes open in the morning. That's when my journey starts with emotional sobriety. And I use a variety of tools uh, to manage my emotional sobriety because there's no shortage of heightened emotions, as you know, sweetheart, in recovery. Uh, you not only have lived experience with me for a couple of decades through my addictions, but now you're living with me in recovery. And I'm sure, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure that comes with its own challenges. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you have your ups and downs and your, your moments of, frailty and you know it's it's pretty much the same as when you were in your addiction is that you know i want to help i want to somehow make it better but there is the whole thing where unless you ask for help or ask me to do something specific there's nothing really i can do apart from be there when you do ask and that's a hard thing for people to ask for help, especially if it's especially if it's something that people feel um, shameful about or guilty about. You know, for someone to turn around who are feeling vulnerable and you know what you say about your emotional sobriety. If you're feeling emotionally vulnerable and seeing that you know you could be going down that path, recognizing that that path you may be heading towards the next step of relapse, um, it's hard to talk to someone and say, this is what I really need. Yeah, being 
Yeah, yeah. Really you can do it yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think understanding relapse, I mean, I spent eight years in 12-step programs, relapsing every year. And that wasn't the fault of the program. That was uh, my inability to accept the unconditional acceptance piece, uh, which came a little bit later for me in cognitive therapy. So like I said, there are hundreds of tools that you can use in recovery and life. The key is to keep looking until you find something that works for you. So for me, the eight years of relapsing in 12-step programs helped me recognize the stages of relapse, helped me recognize the pattern of thought that would begin sometimes months before I would actually physically relapse. So it started with me with an emotional relapse. I would start to get irritable. I would start to isolate. I would start to look for opportunities, perhaps. I had this kind of struggle going on with my mind. My alcoholic brain was wanting to have a drink or a drug to take the edge off of whatever I was going through. And then my more rational brain was saying, no, this is insane. You know, you're doing this work. You're now physically sober. What are you doing? This is crazy. So you've got this banter going on. I call it the itty bitty shitty committee, that negative narrative that swirls around in our head that never shuts up. So Sorry. once I Sorry? Is that when you emotionally come under pressure, something doesn't go right, you get emotional that all this starts to happen? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just, I think I call it my disease of emotions. It's, you know, it's emotional turmoil that I used to run away from. I used to just numb out the feelings of heightened emotions that I didn't want to feel, um, you know, bordering on panic attacks, uh, you know, I hear people now who are diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, and I think we all face some level of anxiety and depression at certain stages of life. And I was incapable of dealing with the emotions without taking an easier, softer way, looking for a, a quick fix, a quick hit to take that pressure off. I always equated to uh, when I was a kid putting air in my tires and my bicycle. And if I overinflated the tire, I'd have to put my thumbnail on the little gauge to let out some air. That, that is what it felt like for me. I needed that from the pressure of life and emotions. And I would get that from a drink or a drug. Okay. So recognizing so the emotional relapse first. So recognizing that pattern of thought, uh, my irritability, the loss of patience, my wanting to isolate, looking for opportunities where I might be able to sneak something without it, somebody knowing. So not really thinking about it, but you know, you start to recognize these different mood swings. And then you start to go into what I call then the emotion or the mental relapse. So you go from emotional relapse, the mental relapse is when you stick in the emotional relapse too long. And the mental relapse, then you've really got that screaming going on, this mm -hmm. whole dysfunction happening in your brain that you don't want to and you want to. Um, you know, there wasn't, I often say, people say it's about choice. When I was walking toward a bottle of vodka, telling myself, this is insane, what are you doing? Uh, there was no stopping my arm reaching for the vodka. So there was no choice there for me when I was deep into my addictions. Um, so when, you know, I'm, I have these discussions with people about choice and I'm thinking, mm, maybe after you've made that transition to get physically sober, 
uh, to start to work on your emotional sobriety, then perhaps there's a level of choice involved there. But when you're mired deep into your addiction, there's no choice about it. You have no choice. So you've got emotional and you've got mental. Mental. And the mental relapse is when you've stayed in emotional relapse too long. Now you've graduated into the mental relapse. Um, so, you know, you, you're again, you start, then you start to lie to yourself and others looking for those opportunities. You start to bargain. You start to look for opportunities to get together with old friends. Oh, I wonder what happened to that dealer I used to know. La, 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 la. Um, so seeing old friends that were part of your addictions, looking for opportunities where you don't get caught. Uh, so coming up with strategies to not only just recognize those patterns of thought, but then to nip them, cut them at the core, right? You got to catch it, check it, change it. All these so, slogans that we have in recovery circles. Okay. So we can get to the last one, which I presume is something like physical or physical. Were you actually... Oh, yep. So you would, when you're ignoring the warning signs, which I did for eight years in 12-step programs, and then I would go into a physical relapse, and then I would be questioning myself after my fourth drink saying, what the heck happened? How, how did I get here? Well, I got here. Looking back now, it started with a pattern of thinking, the emotional relapse, I call it, where I started to isolate. I started to notice swings in my real big swings in my mood, um, irritability, loss of patience, loss of interest, um, ignoring my self-care routine. So now that I have eight years of experience of relapsing, I can recognize the emotional lapse. I can recognize when I've stayed there too long and now I've graduated into the mental relapse. And thankfully now I'm, we're now January of 2023, so I'm four and a half years now of successfully, consecutively keeping, maintaining my uh, sobriety, my abstinence from drug and alcohol addictions. And I absolutely chalk it up to cognitive therapies that now I, I've learned how to sit with my emotions, how to tolerate discomfort, how to reach into my toolbox. Uh, so I keep putting tools in my toolbox. So I have a whole plethora <laughs> of tools to choose from. And the hammer in my toolbox is the unconditional acceptance piece, unconditional acceptance for myself, others, and life. That's huge for me. So getting a good sleep, eating um, at the same time every day, very important for me, going to bed and getting up at the same time every day. Uh, well, you know me, uh, structured routine, very, very important. I also don't hesitate to share my feelings now. That's a double-edged sword for sure. Certainly can be. <laughs> I go to meetings and I ask for help. Yeah. And from my point of view, yeah. I mean, you do share your feelings, but you share them. You used to bottle them up and then they would all come out in one, normally a, a drunken, geezer would come flying at me and I didn't know where it was coming from and it wasn't very nice. Whereas now, yeah, you can still, you know, share some things that can be a little bit, but it's better to know where, where I sit and where you sit and there's helping you not relapse. So, yeah, I mean, Double-edged yeah. double swords are double-edged swords. Like every, everything is a double-edged sword. You know, 
being a passive person is a double-edged sword. You know, some people say it's a weakness, some people say it's a strength. Everything has pros and cons. Well, yeah. I'm grateful that you're here with me, sweetheart, and uh, that you have weathered the storm with me, and now you you now surf the waves of life with me, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I don't live in a tsunami anymore. <laughs> and thank you for sharing a few minutes of your time. I know in the noise of the internet, it's uh, it's hard to get anybody's attention because our attention span is shrinking. So I appreciate the minutes that you are sharing with us. And if you have gotten anything from this, please share it with your family and friends. Give us a like. We appreciate your support. It goes a long way. Subscribe to our work wherever you can. We've got some playlists now on our YouTube channel at Red Roof Recovery and you can find us on social media. I've got three courses now online. You can get sober, stay sober, and learn how to maintain your, your abstinence from drug and alcohol addictions. Thank you so much for being here, Lancelot. Thank you. I love your family perspective. It, uh, it helps a great deal. Thank you. You're welcome, my love. Love you too. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force. <laughs>